Hi, I'm Susan Bennett, the original voice of Siri, and I would like to welcome you to the Jammy Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Jammy Podcast. We are back. It has been a long time, but we've now got a trilogy of brand new interviews with some incredible guests. Today, I will be interviewing Susan Bennett, famous voiceover artist and most famously, the original voice of Apple's Siri. But that's not all Susan Bennett has done. She has also been in television adverts for Ford, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Macy's, Cartoon Network, you name it, she's probably done it. Well, in this interview, we'll be talking about how Susan originally got the job as Apple's Siri, the effects the pandemic has had on voiceover artists, and we will be discussing the future of robots and artificial intelligence and how that might affect our lives. I also just want to say a massive thank you to all those who have been supporting the podcast, which has still managed to have many monthly listeners, even when we haven't been releasing new content. But we are back and we are releasing new content. So settle down and I hope you enjoy this interview with Susan Bennett. Susan Bennett, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You are most welcome. Thanks for inviting me. So you're in America. So over here, I'm in England. It's about 6 p.m. So what, mid-afternoon, afternoon over there? Yeah, 1 p.m. here. That's a daylight savings time over here. Yeah. We're hoping that. That someday they get rid of that because it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah. So in England at the moment, like COVID restrictions have pretty much everything's open. What's it like on the other side of the the sea? Well, unfortunately, things opened up a couple of months ago, and it was premature because we didn't realize how difficult and contagious that Delta variant is. And mm. so it's really become kind of a political issue over here, which is a shame. There are a lot, still a lot of people who refuse to get vaccinated and refuse to wear masks. And that's causing a lot of, a lot of issues. Um, the states that are more democratic uh, uh, seem to be doing much better against COVID than the, than the Republican states. And yeah. uh, so it's, it's, it's problematic. Yeah, we've, got a, we've had a surge in cases in the last couple of weeks, so that's not good. No, not at all. Have you managed to continue doing voiceover work during lockdown and, and COVID-19? Yes, I've done some, but I'm at a stage in my career where I had really stopped doing a lot, especially of commercial voiceover work, and I was mostly doing Siri speaker events and Siri, you know, voiceover mm types of things and uh so i did notice that that some of it had gone had gone down even though voiceover you know as long as most of us who do voiceover as a career have our own studios in our homes and so you would think that it wouldn't stop at all but i think yeah. the economy in general has been uh negatively influenced by this pandemic for sure yeah, COVID has impacted everyone in some way. Yes. A lot of people in a major way. Um, I'd like to talk a bit about your upbringing. I always talk on the podcast about did your parents and your childhood kind of like lead you towards the career you're in today and voiceover work? Not really. The voiceover thing sort of came after the fact. I've always been musical. In fact, um, I could uh, pick out melodies on my little one octave toy piano when I was three or four and a neighbor heard me my parents are not musical and are were not musical rather they're no longer with us um 
but they were very good about making sure that I had musical instruments around and my next door neighbor was moving and he said, well, I think you're, you know, you, you're a very musical child. I'd like you to have my piano. <laughs> and he gave me uh, his upright piano, which I took piano lessons on for many years. So that led me into eventually um, singing. Um, and I sang with a band in college. And then when I moved to Atlanta, after college, after I got married, I started to do work, you know, that type of work out in restaurants and clubs and things like that, and in recording studios. And so I used to sing a lot of jingles and backup vocals and things like that. And then one day uh, I was doing a, had sung a commercial with a group of people and the voice talent didn't show up for whatever reason. So the owner of the studio said, Susan, you don't have an accent, come and read this copy. And so I went, oh, ding, 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 I can do this. So I got a voice coach and then I got a, an, um, a talent agent and I've been doing, you know, voice work ever since, which has been decades now. Doing all this voiceover work was and is music still your main passion? You know, I really love both things. Um, the fact that my husband is a, a guitarist and a composer and an audio engineer, um, probably I'm doing more music than voiceover at this point. Mm. Um, my, one of my very favorite things is to do series speaker events. And of course, the uh, COVID kind of shot that down. I've done a few virtual events, but it's just, you know, it's, it's just not the same. So um, we'll see what happens in the next year, I guess. I'm hoping by sometime in 2022 we'll you know we'll be past all this but I guess people have got to get a little smarter before that happens <laughs> fingers crossed um yeah but it's not just Siri that you've done voiceover work for you've done McDonald's Macy's right. Coca-Cola right. massive like world-renowned companies you talked yes. about how you got your first job as a voiceover how did all these massive voiceover work start rolling in well, um, I'll, I was familiar with a lot of the people in the advertising agencies because this was back in the day when you would go into the studio and record there. Um, this is, you know, I guess I, I built my first home studio in 1996. So we're talking previously, uh, before 1996, you, we would go into the studio to record and to sing jingles. And so sometimes people knew me from the jingles. And then the recording studio where I sang a lot of jingles is where I started doing voice work too. So, you know, and, um, and it was also a question of putting together a demo, putting myself on a list as a voice actor with my talent agent. And, um, you know, it was very different because we would just, you just had to have one uh, demo. And that was most usually a commercial demo, but you could, you know, insert little character voices and stuff in there too. Now for voice actors, you have to have, you know, a separate MP3 or a separate demo for every aspect of voiceover. And as we know, there are lots of different aspects of voiceover. There's commercial voice, there's animation, gaming, um, e-learning, uh, narrations, for film and video. So there are a lot of different types. And so you have to have, you know, like six or seven or eight demos to to show everyone what you can do how has voiceover work developed and the technology for it developed from like the 1990s to now well of course you know with with technology making things so much easier it's uh, uh it has impacted 
it's greatly impacted the talent because we used to, it used to be very cushy for us. We would just show up at the agent's office and do an audition. And then if we, you know, they would call us if we want, and then we'd go to the studio and do the work. Now we do all of our auditions. We get the auditions via email usually. And then we'd have to do, you know, do the, uh, uh, the audition in our home studios and send it, send the file. But the complication is that the onus is totally on the talent now. So in other words, we have to not just be the talent, we have to be engineers, we have to be editors, we have to be directors. And that's really hard, especially for a person like me, because I'm quite a perfectionist. And so (laughs) I've, I've just had to train myself to just put a couple of auditions down listen to it and make sure there are no mistakes or no, no breaths that haven't been taken out. And then, you know, uh, just go on my way. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard. I can imagine. So obviously I would like to talk a bit about Siri and that job, because that is what you're really well known for. I mean, right. the first question is how did you first originally get this massive job? Well, I did the work, the recording work, through a company that I've worked with for many, many years doing messaging and, you know, like phone message type of things. And the scripts that ultimately became Siri, the scripts were very different because all of the sentences and phrases were created to get all of the sound combinations in the language. So in other words, most of the phrases and sentences made no sense because they were just trying to get sounds and not content. And so we would have phrases like um, uh, cow hoist in the tub hut today, or say schist fresh issue today. You can hear all the different sounds and they would extract those sounds and then form new sentences. And that's how Siri was created from something like that. So all of us, and I've talked to um, other original series. One, you probably know John Briggs in England. uh, Who's a famous uh, BBC announcer. And actually, I met him. He came to the United States, and he actually came here to Atlanta, and we spent a couple of days uh, together. And uh, so that was pretty cool. And I talked to the Australian Siri, and we all had the same experience because the original recordings were done early in the 2000s. I did mine starting in 2005, and we just thought we were doing just generic phone messaging. We had no idea. And then six years later, boom, <laughs> I'm who? <laughs> and so. Uh, I, it took me a couple of years to to uh, embrace Siri, I'll have to say, because it was, uh, you know, we were paid for the original recordings. We were not paid a cent by Apple for all of the millions of devices that our voices ended up being used on. So that was um, that was kind of a, a difficult pill to swallow, shall we say. And uh, so it took yeah. me a while to figure out how I was going to deal with this. Finally, I revealed myself in 2013. And uh, it's funny because for me, it's a life lesson. I didn't want to reveal myself at the beginning because I thought, well, gee, do I want it? This is going to involve some sort of fame, right? I don't, I don't know that I want that. I'm a pretty private person. And so it took me a really long time to decide to reveal myself. But as often happens when you do the thing that you're not sure that you can do or the thing that, you know, strikes fear into your heart, once you can get over that hurdle and you do that scary thing, it's like uh, the, the universe has your back kind of thing. So uh, it opened up. I did all kinds of really fun projects and fun interviews and, you know, appearances on TV and stuff like that. And it, um, it opened me up to a whole new career, which was 
doing Siri speaker events. So, yeah. So I, I Siri, it, as it turns out, Siri was great for me. <laughs> if you had not done Siri and been Siri, do you think your career like now you'd be doing different stuff and it would have taken a different route? Probably because, uh, you know, I've been doing this business for decades and, you know, what happens is you reach a certain age and, you know, you kind of get categorized by that age, regardless of how many different types of voices you can do. Um, and I think a lot of it, you know, we humans tend to be kind of tribal and we like to hang with people that are like us, you know, the same mm. age group, have the same interest and that sort of thing. And so the people who are in, who are in charge now, you know, running the sessions and casting and all that kind of stuff are, you know, like almost half my age, you know? And so, uh, you know, I'm in a different, I, I'm in a different a tribe <laughs> there. And so, yeah, I think that, that the voiceover stuff would, the, especially commercial voiceover, which is very youth oriented, would probably, you know, I would not be doing as much as I had done previously. But that's just, you know, that's just the way of things. That's the way things go. I mean, life changes. You change as you age. And Apple, when they were going to release, when they did release Siri, were you informed about this or how did you find nope. out that nope. your voice it was? It was a surprise. It was a total surprise. A fellow voice actor emailed me and said, hey, we're playing around with this new iPhone app. Isn't this you? <laughs> and I went, what? And I went online and listened and said, oh, yep. Wow. You know, the part of it, I think the one of the reasons that I didn't really want to reveal myself right away is that I was very concerned about the effect that being such an obvious voice and such a ubiquitous voice all over the world, that it would have a negative impact on my voiceover career, which it did. And the things that I assumed would happen did happen. Um, I was definitely typecast, stereotyped, you know, it's so, you know, when I get auditions, it's like, well, we need a robot voice or we need, <laughs> we need a, a Siri-like voice. And um, so, so that did happen. But that's, you know, that's just life. That's the way humans are. Is your voice recognized like down the street when you talk to someone or at the shops? No, not really, because, you know, in, in the number of years that I was on the iPhone, only two people recognized my voice. One was a banker and one was a waiter. And I said, you guys are in the wrong field. You have too good ears to be, <laughs> you need to be in audio somewhere. But one of the reasons that I think that people don't re recognize my voice, first of all, the voice changed years ago. So it's not my voice anymore. So, but people don't expect to hear the Siri voice coming out of a human. That's one thing. But the second thing yes. is that most people's ears aren't that attuned. You know, a lot of times people, when the voice first changed, a lot of people couldn't tell that it had changed. And so there's that. But also when I speak my, you know, this is the register that uh, in which I speak and the original Siri was more down here. Hi, I'm Siri. <laughs> I mean, when you speak like that, it is remarkable. It's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> nice of you to say remarkable. It's okay. It's creepy. <laughs> if Siri was as if, if the robot was to be a person i know that the voice is a person it's you but if siri was to be a person what personality do you think she would have well i think she's kind of changed they sort of mm -hmm. uh 
they they sort of made her a little nicer, a little smoother. The original Siri was hilarious because she would just say these things back to people. The very first I, time I talked to her, she was kind of snarky. Do they have that word in England? Snarky. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, the first time I talked to Siri, I said, hi, Siri, what are you doing? And she very disgustedly replied, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Okay, sorry to bother you. <laughs> so I think she used to, to make, you know, a little bit more cutting remarks. She was a little bit more edgy, you know, the original Siri. I think they've sort of, you know, leveled her out at this point. Yeah, it must have been weird. Like if you did have an iPhone at the time talking to yourself on the yes. phone. <laughs> yes, I did not do it. I, I didn't no. talk to Siri. It was just too weird. I, I was used to hearing my voice on radio and TV and things like that. Um, but to have my voice coming out of this little tiny computerized phone or phone phone slash computer was just too weird. You know, me talking to imagine. myself, it just was it was too weird. Where do you think technology and I know Apple are just releasing a phone a year at the moment um, yeah. and Elon Musk is making all these things where do you think technology is heading in the future oh you know I'm I'm sure it's just heading towards faster things easier things uh, and I the the thing that bothers me about all of these virtual assistants and the ease of technology is that I think that it's difficult for young people especially to develop problem solving skills you know because mm. back when I was growing up if you had a problem or if you didn't you had a question you couldn't just ask Siri or Alexa you had to go to the library and look it up and you had so you had to use your brain and you had to use your problem solving okay which part of this is important for me to know you know and there isn't that anymore you know you just talk to the phone and the phone gives you an answer and yeah. I'm just not sure that that's good I don't know that that's a good thing. I, I think that, you know, not utilizing our own brains is not a healthy thing, you know? And uh, so that's just my own personal opinion. And as far as where technology is headed, I mean, they're really, really going towards artificial intelligence, complete artificial intelligence. And when that happens, you know, I don't know what us hum humans will be doing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Slightly odd question, but if you were asked now, you've just said about how you think that AIs aren't always good. If you were asked now to voice a robot, say, would you accept that, even though you know that there could be slightly like bad complications mm. with it? <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd really have to think twice about it. I, I, I really can't give you an answer right now. I'd really have to think about that. It would depend on a lot of different factors. And I'm sure I would ask my my agent's advice and, <laughs> and things like that. But, um, yeah, you know, I guess it would depend on on how how the uh, the the end voice would be used, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so obviously, COVID has shut a lot of things down. But next year and the year after, what upcoming projects have you got on? Well, I don't have anything specific right at this time. Um, I'm in a band called Canyon Ladies, and we're doing the music of the female singer-songwriters of the 1960s in Laurel Canyon, California, outside of Los Angeles. And that would include Joni Mitchell, uh, Linda Ronstadt, Bonnie Raitt, Carol King, people like that. And so that's fun. So um, we are still rehearsing, even though we haven't been out to do any uh, 
any shows at this point, but that's something to that we're doing and, and looking forward to doing more of in, in the future. And, um, you know, my husband and I have a recording studio, and so I would look forward to doing more work with him, musically oriented, probably. And as far as voiceover, you know, it just all depends on, see, my agent can, can make me. <laughs> you know so it's all you know as a freelancer I've always been a freelancer and so you never know you never know yeah that is the problem especially during COVID I know Broadway at the moment especially has been massively hit because all these actors who are freelancers struggling to get jobs right right yeah it's Uh, been a very tough time in in that sense it's we we've been lucky to be sort of at retirement age even though we haven't retired and uh so we we, you know, sort of have income that doesn't depend on us going out and playing music. So that's, that's a real plus for us. Mm. I really feel bad for younger musicians who haven't been able to get out there and, and work and, and uh, make a living, you know, it's tough. Yeah. I ask every guest on the podcast, who has inspired you throughout your lifetime? Oh, throughout my lifetime. Oh, wow. That's quite a big question. E, that is a big question inspired me oh my goodness wow that's really funny I can't think of a one specific person that that would have you know traveled with me all through these uh many decades um I guess you know it would be more than one person and basically people who followed you know followed their path and became successful and were you know at the same time were good people nice people kind people you know, I think monetary success is not, you know, the ultimate reward. And I think uh, being a decent human is way up there. So people yes. that I have known, uh, as far as just talent, you know, people, talented people. I mean, I adore Bonnie Raitt. Mariah Carey was quite an influence because I'd been a singer for a long time when she first came out. And I was at a point in my life where I was kind of tired of the music I was doing. And I was a little discouraged about singing. And when I saw her on Saturday Night Live, I just, my jaw dropped. It was just, oh my God, she was, uh, well, first of all, who, who has a five octave range, you know, <laughs> and she, so she had that. And uh, it was just, she was uh, really impressive. I can't say that um, after she was no longer associated with Tommy Mottola, I can't say that I liked the type of music that she ended up doing, um, but I, I really, really admired her talent and she sort of inspired me to try to, to be, to be a better singer and to, you know, practice more and <laughs> try to improve my range. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a really good inspiration. Well, I'd just like to end the podcast. If this is all right with you, with you perhaps just saying in your Siri voice, a little introduction to the podcast, which I can put towards it. Um, okay. I was just wondering if you could say, Welcome to the Jammy Podcast interview. The Jammy Podcast. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Susan Bennett, the original voice of Siri, and I would like to welcome you to the Jammy Podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're Thank welcome. You. Thanks so much to Susan Bennett for coming on the podcast. And great news if you're listening to the podcast on the day of release, Monday, 25th of October, the next episode with Joanna Carrick, artistic director of Red Rose Chain Theatre Company, is coming out tomorrow, Tuesday, 26th. Thank you so much for listening to the Jammy Podcast.